Alright, hello everyone, good evening. It's your host, Ryan Stimson, here with another episode of The Noted Jerk and the Nerd. I am the nerd, as always. Uh, and on the line with me is the Noted Jerk, Joe Yurden. Joe, how are you this evening? Ryan, I am I am dandy, although I, I think we may have seen the end of the season in Philadelphia. I think that might that might have been that might have been about it. If not, I think I think the silver bullet's coming this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Although I don't know. I mean It's probably been over for longer. It, yeah, it probably has been. But uh but I think what are they, eight points out now and they gotta jump over three teams to even get to the wild card or something, is that right? Yeah, and the team that got the team that's got the spot right now is Pittsburgh. And hey, look who they play Friday! It's Pittsburgh. Oh, it's an elimination game. Right. Well, then it's Toronto back in Toronto the next night. So there you go, Sabres fans. You want to play up hockey? Here you go. Here are your elimination games. So yeah, these are all game seven. Game seven's the rest of the way. Yes. <laughs> so uh, so tonight we'll we'll get to some questions, but first we'll obviously break down the trade deadline. Uh, you know, opinions around that. Really only two, I think only two moves were made, correct? It was the Montour acquisition and then uh, the sending Beaulieu away. Yeah, yeah, and Montour wasn't even on deadline day, so right. yeah. depends if you want to be technically correct, then no. they made one move on deadline day. But the Montour move counts. Okay, so I, I guess I'll quickly before we get into serious breakdown of this. I'm just glad they traded Bullyu away because I can never know how to say his name. <laughs> I think I've said it ten different ways this season. So, well, I mean, to be fair, I think I think we've heard uh, Phil Housley say it two or three different ways. And that you know, it's not knocking on him, but it, but it's honestly, I think everybody everybody said it some sort of different way. For me, I just looked at it like it was a compound, a French compound word. I was like, beau, lou, beau, you. Beau, oh, no, now I've done it again. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, you can't even do it that way. So, right, yeah, because I, I, I always, yeah. I think what I came to make my piece on is I always thought of blue, like from the Jungle Book. Okay. And I think, like, you know what, I'm not going to say it right if I try, so I'm just going to at least be consistent, so. I always try to break it down by saying bowl you. Like you know, as if it was like a like a bowl university or something. I don't I don't even know what I'm saying. But, I think that could work. But so. I think that that that's how I felt most comfortable. And I I maybe it was a bad move on my part to never really ask Nathan how exactly. <laughs> hey, how do you say your name, buddy? <laughs> like, well, how would you say it? But you know, he's one of those guys that grew up in like a border town in Ontario, where he's got a very French last name, but. He did not. He was not French in any way. <laughs> there was nothing about him. He was like he was the most like most uh, the most regular Ontario sort of hockey playing kid. So yeah. Anyway, fare thee well, Nathan. Good luck to you. I'm Are you? Uh, how do you feel? You got what about... a, six, a six round pick back? Uh, not really, because they gave up a third round pick to get him. So I don't. You know that's. Oh right, yeah. Okay, that's a bit of a downgrade. Um, well, I just meant like in this transaction, yeah. Uh, it, it seemed I don't know. Uh, it I guess you got to be you have to be happy. With it. You got to get something. Like they had to move him. You know, the the last couple weeks seeing Nathan practice and talking with him, I mean, he was just he was miserable. I mean, he got I think since his agent came out with the you know play me or trade me thing, I think he played what three games, maybe four games. And that's like in the span of a month and a half and. 
guy, you know, Matt Hunwick's getting games over him. And, Do you think you know, they're going to miss him, or you, or you think he's kind of a guy that, yeah, I mean, you can kind of find that guy almost anywhere? Uh, I think you can find a guy like that. I, I don't know. Bo you played such a different sort of style, and honestly, for as sketchy as he was watching him play last year, as you know, where it was, as just, it was. Well, I, he was he was everywhere. Like he was everywhere except where he was supposed to be. And that you know, when you're a defenseman, that's it's not great. Like if your forwards don't know where you are, backs, he, Joe, backs. Yeah, <laughs> don't call him defenseman. Call him backs. My my bad. Mm-hmm. If but like if your back partner doesn't know where you're at, and your forwards are like, hey, what's he doing down here with us? Wait, who's back? Who's back with the other guy? Uh oh. <coughs> and you know that. That was the problem, but I, I feel for him because yeah. the same, like Housley and everybody said, hey, hey listen, you got to do this if you're going to play on this team and it's and in this league. And he's like, all right, so he he buckled down, he learned, he did, you know, he did, he was a good soldier, he was a good student, he did all this stuff, and then he doesn't get to play you know, a bunch, and he's like bounced out of the lineup. You know, that part of that's Darlene, part of that's Pilot, part of that's everything else, but, but man. Give the guy some credit. Like he mm. did exactly what you wanted him to do, and he played better. Yeah. Like reward him for that instead of hosing him over, burying him on the bench, and turning him into your ninth defenseman. I mean, that's that's kind of crappy. I didn't I didn't care for that. And, do you and think Nathan, Nathan was frustrated with it too? Do you think if Bogosian and Scandella were, didn't have his big cap hits, do you think uh, Bottrell would have moved either of them? Because I'm I'm assuming he couldn't. Or let's say he wanted to, but I'm sure the salaries were prohibitive. Um, you know what? I, I don't know if he moves Bogosian just because he's he's only got one more year left. I mean, maybe you could maybe you could move him. I think Scandella. I think Scandella's just he's just earned Housley's eternal respect. I know that drives everybody crazy, but like. You know, it, it takes injuries for him to get bounced out of the lineup. I don't. I don't think even like a cap hit would force that, unless they went into full sell mode and they said, "Forget it, we're going to change this up." I, I, right. I think that makes it different. But I, I don't. I don't know that the cap hits are make it that big of a of a hurdling block. I mean, you just got to take somebody else's equal headache, equal salary headache in return, and you know that's not always an attractive deal to make. Because you know, how often do those big money change of sceneries? deals work out very well they it's usually just you're just moving headaches around from place to place sure yeah no that's true uh Skinner, Skinner and Bogosia they both have one more year yeah no, alright well let's not so bad I mean it's not so bad I mean <clears throat> it's well so here's the thing though I mean it's not it's not so bad but like they're just gonna get worse right Scandell will be 30 Bogosia will be 29 so they're already on the downward slope of their career statistically. Um, Hard and, miles on those. And I, I think, I mean, neither one of them should be in the top four going forward next season if the Sabres are serious about being competitive. And are you really going to want to have $9 million in cap hits on your third pairing? Mm, so that's, that, I think that's the uh, question because, you know, you bring over Montour with one year left. Obviously, you have an eye to play him in the top four. You have Darlene. Um, Ristolain, if he's still here, we'll talk about that later. You know, if they re-sign McCabe, if they actually promote Pilot full-time, I mean, there's plenty of other good options in that top four. So, I think those are two names I would watch and hope for moves this offseason. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I've already I've already got big circles around a few of those guys for <laughs> moves you have to make to get somebody else in here, and it's just a matter of who's more marketable out of that bunch. And right. yeah, that's uh, that's that to me is that's an area where the surplus is going to hopefully turn into some variety of scorers being added. You know, uh, center winger, it, honestly, either one. Get either one in here because they need both. And that's and this is a perfect segue into uh, Montour because that acquisition, you know, for a first and then Gooley, I thought was curious uh, before we even talk about the player acquired. In that, you, you, I guess I would have thought assets would be used to bolster the forward ranks before the blue line. Like, did you think it was curious in terms of what they got? Um, I think it's I think it's curious in that. They, they 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 thought that getting another defenseman, getting a different defenseman, not getting another, but just getting a different one, was the move to make. You know the the you know the inconsistencies up front. And granted, there are inconsistencies on the back end too. But I think that when you look at it, the, the issues they've had, where it's just been a constant shuffle of, of of deck chairs on the Titanic at forward. You know, aside from aside from the big three. Um, you would think that that would be the area that they would have looked to to try to make an upgrade. You know, you deal Gooley, do Gooley at a first for like a top six scoring winger. I think everybody would have gone nuts for that. I think everybody would have loved that. Yep. Montour, it's it's something where you know a lot of fans, a lot of Sabres fans have been yelling to go at the Ducks, go get one of their kid defensemen, go get go get somebody, go get Manson, go get Lindholm, go get. Go get any of these guys. Go get Theodore before he was, you know, before he got, you know, before sure. Vegas sw- yeah. swindled Anaheim. But, you know, go get any of any one of those guys to help this team out. And you know, Montour was on that list. And you know, I, I yeah, I mean, it's not a move that I, that I hate necessarily. It's just I think with the other issues that you've got with the team, it it I I, I would have gone forward first. Not and you know, everybody wants a center, but like. I think I think the move to make a center happens when Patrick Berglund decides he's he's done. I think that's <laughs> when you have to make that move. Yeah. Now it's just kind of like, well, this this season's basically toast. If you go get a center now, you're basically giving the finger to Casey Middlestad and saying, yeah, we've stood by you for 60 games. Yeah, but we want to get a look at some other guy in that role for the next 22. You know, that's that's a bad look. You don't want that. And you know, he's shown some signs of of getting back at it. Granted. You know, I, I talked up <laughs> talked up with somebody in Philly yesterday about how you know they stressed him to get his defense better, and I said that's the one area you don't have to worry about him at all. And then the second goal Philly scores last night is Middlestat letting letting Voracek get get like three whacks at a loose puck because <laughs> he didn't pick him up, and I'm just like, ay yeah yeah, okay. As soon as but, you say it, yep. Oh yeah, it's I I have this mystical power to make things happen, but um, but 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 I mean back to Montour like. To me, the, the the message it sent getting him was that Risto's not getting the job done, and Bogosian, that's not his job to right. ca- to carry the puck. That's to me, it just said they needed somebody on the other side of the ice that can move the puck because, and it's something to look at if maybe four checkers are zeroing in on Darlene way too hard, and he can't even bring the puck up, and it forces whoever his partner is to try to do that, and those guys don't do it in any way, shape, or form. Right. I mean, I think, uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful it works out, of course, but 
Uh, I think Montour, it's not as slam dunk as most people think, because, like, the consensus seems from people that want to like the move is that he has really good individual metrics, like getting out of the zone and things like that, you know, getting into the zone, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, they want to kind of, like, excuse away all his results based on being in Anaheim this year. So there's a couple issues with that, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the first is that, you know, Carlisle's been there for a little while, right? So if Montour was good last season, you know, you can't just you can't just take attribute the good to the player entirely and then the, all the bad to the coach, right? I mean, there's a little bit of both. Um, you know, our, our colleague Lisa Dillman, out west for the Athletic, she pointed out to me that I guess their defense coach changed from last season to this year. Yes. Behind the bench. So, I mean, I think that is more gives more credence than just Carlisle. Um, you know, your position coach likely has a little bit more impact if you've had the same coach for a couple of years. So so I do think that there's some of that because, you know, lots of uh, players in Anaheim have, have had down years from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, if you look at Montour's results over the course of his career so far, I mean, they're largely average at best. And... Uh, you know, I, I think one of the dangers in looking at things like, well, his zone exits or his zone entry rates, his stats there, those are good. Well, okay, you know, it's easy to get fooled by that when we want to like the move. And he very well may have that skill, but it's it's the old line from Moneyball, right? Like, if he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? If he's so good in transition, why, when we use models to account for everything within his environment are his results really not great right so there, there must be some pretty big deficiencies in his game elsewhere mm-hmm. so i guess where do i kind of stand on it i, I mean I'm, I'm hopeful uh but i i guess i would be like cautiously optimistic because it's kind of addition by subtraction in buffalo at this point right if you give him more minutes then one of Bogosian, Scandella, Ristolainen is getting fewer minutes, and I think that that itself is a positive. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair way to look at it, and I think it, given the way uh, Jason Bottrell answered, you know, the, the question I had to ask him, you know, it ended up ended up being the, the, the press conference closer was I had to ask him. I said, you know, the numbers, depending on how you look at them, some of them look really good on them, some of them look really bad on them. How do you you know how do you break down? what he means for you and he kept going back to the mobility and I think that they, they, they were looking at some of the zone exit numbers that a lot of you know a lot of us have seen on him which are very good yeah and he says you know he's got the speed he you know he, he brings more of what we're looking to do which to me says you know it's a great compliment on him but it also points out that the guys that are on the team that are playing on that right side are not doing what they're looking for all because they're they're getting stunted by you know being able to push the play because the guys on that side of the ice can't do what there's you know what they're supposed what they want them to do not what they're supposed to do but like what they're looking for them to do and I think in that in that case it's it's, it's dead on true I, you you watch you know I, I if you had asked me you know two years ago who the better guy carrying out of his zone on the right side whether it was Ristolainen or Bogosian was. If you said it was going to be Bogosian, I would have I would have looked at you really funny and said, "Well, <laughs> no, Ristolainen's got to be the guy. He's faster. He's bigger. He can handle the puck." Instead, you know, Ristolainen's the guy I, I'm 
continually watching, you know, chunk it off the glass, flip it up yep. deep for an icing, you know, just making, you know, m- passing it blindly to an area where he thinks somebody should be, or maybe somebody's supposed to be and they're not. Um, you know, different things like that where it just results in a, in them losing possession or, you know, it's a, it's a whistle bringing it back to the other end. That kind of stuff, I think they're looking at and saying, we need somebody who can do this better. And, you know, whether it's because, you know, Ristlein's been been having to do this for, for years, playing for horrible teams, and, you know, your formative years are ruined because you're you're playing on such bad teams and, and learning styles that are they're counterproductive to your future. And you know, with Bogosian, it's you know, it's just he's he's a different sort of you know guy back there. And you know, Montour's totally not from that school. And I think they just needed all right. Let's get somebody who's going to do what we what we what we're looking for more guys to do. And you know, whether some of the you know the possession numbers, the shot numbers, everything else, if that works against them. I think they can live with it as long as it means they can, he can push the puck up to, to another player or carry it in himself and be able to take care of take care of the puck by himself. Yeah, I think what you're hoping for is that internally the Sabers, you know, by whatever metrics you know they, they evaluate teams and players by, and it's obviously they zeroed in on his transition ability. Uh, <clears throat> I guess you just hope the conversation, you know, went something like, you know, this is something we need, so we need someone to kind of come in and fulfill this specific role, and that, you know, be aware of all his limitations everywhere else and feel like, you know, there's players in other places or how we coach them is going to help clean that up. I mean, you, I guess you got to hope they're aware of, of everything that way. Um, you know, I'm never against acquiring certain skill sets because, you know, in the right environment, you know, maybe he doesn't need to do certain things, uh, you know, in the defensive zone or in the offensive zone, maybe who's being asked to do, which, you know, might impact his game a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, I remember hearing lots of people explain away Ristolainen's bad numbers because of, you know, that, well, that's how he's coached to play. Yeah. You know, and so, so I think, I don't think you can really have it both ways. And, and again, it just keeps me coming back to, okay, like, I see the skill set they're going for, but, you know, I don't know if it's, really going to be everything that Sabres fans want it to be. So, having said that, how do you feel about what they gave up for him in Gooley in a first? Yeah, I think I think you can live with giving up Gooley because I mean to make a make a move sometimes you got to get you got to give the get. Um, I think you can I think you can live with that and you know what you got you got pushed down the depth chart. You know it was you know you draft Darlene so everybody on the left side immediately moves down one. Uh, they sign Pilot, and it's like, okay, well, depending on where the organization feels he slots in and where, you know, everybody else, like the rest of us looks at him, that moves everybody else down a spot. And at that point, you're starting to look around, and you're saying, all right, well, we got Jake McKay, we got Marco Scandell, you know, we got these guys that have, that are established NHL guys now, and, you know, Brennan Gooley, unless he's blowing the doors off of everybody in the AHL, we don't, we don't have a spot for him. And you got to move a guy in that kind of spot, you either have to put him right in the NHL and make him your, you know, your third your third pairing uh, lefty, which, I mean, maybe that would have worked out better than having some of the other guys. But, um, but at that point, he's your most, he he's your asset that gets you the most in return in a trade. Now, giving up the first round pick, eh, I don't know about that one. I don't know that a first is necessary, but maybe that's what it takes to get that deal done. And you know, they, they 
kind of protected their rear ends by saying, all right, well, we're not giving you hours because that's going to be a good one. Um, but you can take one of the other two because they're both going to be playoff-bound teams. So take the higher of the two, and we'll hope that it's not, you know, pick number 16 or 17 or 18. Because, right. you know, I mean, depending on how they feel about how deep uh, the, the really good talent is in the first round, you know, maybe they're thinking, you know, once it gets past 15, everything's kind of a, you know, kind of a crapshoot. We can, we can make deals to move up to get guys if we like some guy better than another uh, at that point. And, you know, you, you live with it. I, I know it doesn't look good, and everybody killed Tim Murray for giving up first-round picks in the past, and probably rightfully so, given that the prospect pool is a little bit thinned out right now. And it would have been nice to have guys that were picked around, like when Jack Roslovich was picked, and um, the, the Caps, they get, uh, what's his face, the goalie, the Russian goalie there. Uh, well, they took him, but like Colin White was picked by Ottawa, and you're just kind of like, all right, well, these guys would have been nice to have in the system, but they don't have them because they didn't have the picks anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those costs to doing business things, but... You know what? Montour's the guy they zeroed in on, and sometimes you just got to pay a price. And I don't think Anaheim was just going to let him let him go for for just Gooley one for one. Right. Well, yeah, they probably saw how well Theodore is doing in Vegas, and like, yeah, we're not letting another one go without getting something. But um, you know, I I think Gooley. It would have been nice if he got like a longer shot in the in the mm-hmm. NHL. But I'm always for trading the guy who might make it with the guy who you know. I mean, Montour's established himself, you know, as a as an NHL player, um, you know, however you, you know, look at his results or whatever it is, I mean, a ghoulie, you know, what what could he turn into? You know, is he Brandon Montour 2.0? Is he going to be better than that? Is he going to be worse than that? I'm always trading the magic box what if for the sure thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, give me the guy who's established at the league um, who has certain skills that maybe we can utilize rather than the guy who might be there. But, Again, having said that, I wish he got more time, especially this season. You know, when it started to kind of yeah. come off the rails, like, all right, let's bring him up for 20, 30 games or whatever, and we see what we have. But that never really happened. Um, the other thing, the first-round pick, like, yeah, I mean, you know, late-round late, late round picks in the first, I mean, uh, you know, they don't always hit as well, obviously. But I, I think first-round picks are just such, throughout the league, are just they're just the best currency you can have, right? So... You know, if you're maybe if you maybe if you're working for that forward, you know, could they have sent two firsts and, you know, I mean, like if I was Bottrell, you know, with all the and we'll move to Risto next because I know there's a lot of chatter about him at the trade deadline. Like, you know, if you move Risto and like a pick or two, you know, even if they're two late round picks, like a team's gonna look at that offer and be like, oh wow, this is a really good offer, and maybe that way you can get a, a you know pretty really good forward. Because I'm sure Risto's value is still pretty high in some circles in the league, um, so so I'm not so disappointed in the first because it will be late, but n- not necessarily for the value they could get with the actual pick of the player, but just more so it eliminates, like it takes some currency away from a, a possibly bigger move or, or another better move they could have made. I guess if that if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I can see that where you know you get to draft day and. You know, maybe you're not liking having two picks in the 20s, or you know, maybe a pick in the 20s and a pick at you know a 30 or a 31 pick, uh, where it's you're looking at basically second round value at that point. Right. And you know, then you're you're looking at it saying like, geez, if we could 
we could we could get these we could send these to somebody like oh I don't know like a Columbus who no longer has any picks right yeah and you know say like listen you know you guys went for it either they cashed in or they didn't you know however the playoffs pan out or if they even make the playoffs um, but you could package that up and say listen you know you you guys gave away your whole draft to try to load up we'll give you these two we'll give you these two late round late firsts for take your pick you know take your pick of guys that you that you think would help out the team immediately and i think that's that's a conversation you could have with a team like that the team that pushes all in and says all right we're going for it and then if they don't you say all right well you know you need, you're going to need to fill up your your system at some point so here let's let's help you out if you can help us get us get us a score i think that that's that's a bit of a loss but even still like what you mentioned like package up a wrist aligner package up somebody else and a first to try to get an upgrade somewhere else i think that's 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 too bad like that that that's a bummer to not have that i mean now if they do a trade like that you're giving away your other first exactly and you know you're you're basically taking a swing for the fences with your own pick right yeah so let's move to risto i know lots of folks and lots of folks have asked about this too so Sorry if I don't mention it, but I think we got like four or five questions about Risto and trade deadline. Uh, I saw like there was some chatter about him in Tampa Bay, and then I saw that it was like Eklund that started it. So if that's true, then that's obviously bullshit. But then I saw oh. other people on NHL Network were talking about it. So I guess did you hear anything substantial about that? Well, it was I believe the first first person I saw with it was Andy Strickland from uh, Fox Sports in St. Louis, and uh, Andy Andy used to be at Hockey Buzz ages ago right um now I'll, I'll i'll say this about andy andy was the guy who tipped me off about uh ryan miller and steve ott getting traded to st louis years ago but i think he may have had some inside info considering he was working in st louis i was gonna say um, yeah didn't he cover the blues back then yeah he well he still is oh and, that's right yeah sorry um so i think he you know i get a i get a heads up from him like hey keep an eye on warm-ups and i was like wait what <laughs> what? What do you mean? Keep an eye on warmups. He's like, tell me who you don't see out there. And I was like, oh no, what? What's happening? And yeah, sure enough, Miller and Ott didn't come out for it. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> uh, but in this case, it was something where it involved not the Blues and uh, a Sabres player and the Lightning, and that like a lot like I could. It's two things. It's you could see Ristolainen. You could see them trade him. I think that's I think that's a possibility. It was. Lord knows everybody on, on GR and even, I think, some other outlets here were talking about the possibility of that happening. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's in everybody's mind. Like, that that's something that could happen. But to Tampa, like, a team you got to play four and five times every year and is already a, you know, giant, you know, mega monster team, like, why? Why? Why would you give away a guy who would immediately plug in and be like their third pairing defenseman mm-hmm. and would get his minutes knocked down and would immediately become a way more effective player? Like none of that computed in any way unless you were pulling out some kind of massive coup to get a four like if you're pulling out I can't even say Tyler Johnson because he's he's twenty eight, twenty nine with, you know, forever to go on a contract. But if you're pulling like a JT Miller out of that and somebody else, like I don't know, like, I don't. Right. JT Learn Eric Chernak, something like that. I think that's that. That's something a lot of people were kicking around as a possibility. Mm-hmm. 
all right, maybe you have that discussion. But it's still Tampa. Like, that's a team you're actively competing against, and you're handing them a guy that could end up being, who could end up fulfilling that potential that everybody's that everybody's uh, talked about with them because you're going to put him next to a Victor Hedman or a Ryan McDonough uh, or you know an Anton Strollman and suddenly it's just like oh well yeah of course he's great he's got he's got all these great people around him and he's got a, a team that could rattle off like three cups in a row if, if things go <laughs> so so I, I from that perspective wasn't buying it for a second but you think they might be kicking the tires not necessarily shopping them but just listening if people call up and say, hey, what's it going to take to get them? I think they'd listen. I think they would in a second. It's And it's not a salary thing. It's just I, I think it's a thing where, you know, once you acquire a guy like Montour, you're, you might be looking at changing the way you want to do things. Now, the caveat, of course, is that everybody's been super critical about how they're a soft team. And Ristolainen's like one of maybe three or four guys that actively throws the body around. So, you know... I know hits, I get it, it means you're chasing the game and the whole thing, but man, you, you can't, like, there's a lot of things where it's just half of it makes sense and half of it makes absolutely no sense. Hmm. Well, I'm going to say 100% of it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I, I think, you know, there are some teams that probably might not value them as highly as others, and, you know, there were the rumors... Uh, what a couple years ago when Taylor Hall was traded that one of the calls they made to Murray was about Risto and you know about you know what'd you say? I believe that was 100% true by the way Edmonton's been very hot for him for a long time right so and and a lot of the people in Edmonton are still there you know Shirelli's gone but the rest of the idiots are still there so (laughs) you know I think I, I think that's a call you make you know, especially at the draft. I mean, if you can get an RNH, if you can, you know, there you go, package a pick in Risto for, you know, Dreisaitl, you know, who's, who's tremendously good. And people in Edmonton will hear this and be like, or fans of Edmonton will be like, you're crazy. And it's like, no, your team is crazy because they could have had the best, you know, top six in the league a couple of years ago and look what they have to show for it. Um, so, I mean, I think there are a handful of, I think Dale Talon in Florida would probably love to have that kind of player. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Bergevin in, Mo- in Montreal, you know, has made some... I mean, they're, you know, pretty balanced team right now, but I think that owes more to Claude Julien having a full year under the belt there now. And, you know, Bergevin's made a lot of questionable decisions uh, regarding his roster construction. And, then, you know, a couple other teams here and there I think might be interested. But, I mean, you have Darlene, Pilot, Montour. You basically need a fourth spot, right, for your top four. Mm-hmm. And... If they were super satisfied with with Risto and he was tremendous, you know, maybe I don't think they make the Montour move. So I think that that as much as an indictment of him as as anything else. And so, you know, they're looking because I mean, what side do you anticipate Darlene playing on? Because he's played both. Um, I, I say you got to keep on the left side. I think I think he's a I think he's better on his strong side. Um, of course, maybe he hasn't looked quite as good on the right side because he hasn't had, you know, it's been, he's been either there with let me think here, McCabe Right. Uh, McCabe, was he with Pilot for a, for a couple of games, I think? I don't know, I'd have to check. I forget. Uh, Scandella for a couple of games, that drove everybody crazy. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, like I, I don't know that the guys on the left make it are so good on the left that you can push him to the right and say, well, he can handle it. He's better than everybody. I mean, that is the case. But I don't know that I don't know that he's his most effective on the right. Right. So I mean, if you so if you do that, then are you looking at Dowling, Montour, Pilot, Risto as your top four going into next season? Right. Yeah. And yeah, and if I mean if that if you want to do that, that's fine. Right. That's definitely an upgrade over everything you've had this year. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, can you find? either in free agency, through a trade, or internally a fourth defenseman to play with, with you know, pilot. Or, you know, you do like a pilot Montour thing and then find someone to play with, with Darlene up top and then move Risto to improve your forwards, right, to give yourself two more uh, or two solid lines, right, someone to help out Reinhardt maybe on the second line, um, you know, or even to push someone else down, right, and so you create more balance in your third line now. So I, I don't know, I think that... That is probably the way you want to go with it, and I think that there's a handful of teams that you could probably extract some value from. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% with you that, that I'm sure there's a lot of teams that would be very all about having Aristolainen on there, either because they think they could do better with him or because they think they can figure out the minute situation and the, the situational play that will make him the most effective. And I, I think other teams might be might be a little bit too wise to that. I think, I, and that to me, that's where the Tampa thing comes in funny because I think Tampa is one of those teams that would not, that would look at him and be like, you know what? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think we, I don't, I don't we think can. Really I mean, granted, they go and sign Dan Girardi, so you can kind of be like, eh, well, I don't know. You know, yeah. he's does he does different things, but um, but if you're looking at that as like, you know, if you make that deal and you send Dan Girardi to Buffalo, I mean. I mean that that would be enough to make down it. the key bank center at that. Point. Yeah, I, I think I think that would make a lot of people way too upset. Even though he's on the last year of a deal, but yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of thing where I could, you could almost see it maybe back back in the day, like that's a Darcy Regeer trade where you say, well, we're sick of risk the line, and, uh, let's trade him to Tampa. We'll get Dan Girardi and we'll get a pick out of Tampa. Like, well, no, because that pick's going to be horrible. B what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those situations where like nothing good comes out of that. But, um, but I mean, I, I, he's a guy that I'm going to be watching very closely at the draft this year though, because that's the, I think that's the time. I think you see, I think we're going to see Buffalo make some kind of move at the draft because I mean, you get a couple of first round picks. People are going to be calling you anyways. Sure. But that might be the time where Aristolainen or McKinnon or somebody along those lines gets moved to get help up front, and that's the best place to do it because yeah, you're not. It's not going to happen in free agency, and if it is somebody you can get in free agency, probably don't want to be throwing seven years at them because that you're going to be eating three bad years at the end of it. Right. Yeah. Um. So let's go to a question here. John Kazera asked, "Is there any quantifiable damage to your organization when you miss on a first rounder, like especially a top ten pick?" Um, I don't know of any existing analysis that kind of quantifies that, but I think, I mean, I think it would just go, you know, with the like expected value. I know like Michael Shooker's, you know, did some work on this years ago, and like Sean Tierney tweets tweets out the data from that, like he tweets out data from everything. 
um, from time to time, especially around draft time, and how I think that there's is it after like pick six or seven, or there's like a significant drop off early, and I think there's another drop off like a little later in the first round, and then it's basically like yeah, just you got you know you got a prayer, but. Um, I think definitely in the top ten. Like, I mean, Risto, what is he, he was like, what, a seventh? Seventh was, overall? Eighth overall? I believe he was eighth. Okay. Sabres, Sabres have uh, three guys who are number eight picks. So they had Risto and Zadorov in the same draft in the first round, and then they had Gregorenko and Gergensens. Those were back-to-back drafts, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Was that Were they both Darcy? Yes. Okay. So... I mean, I think you can point at those two drafts as like, you know, okay, if you have four picks in the first round, and I mean, would you say they missed on, I mean, Risto at eight, you know, they could have had, I've got the draft, I just pulled it up here, they could have had, well, if you went, you know, if you didn't go forward, I mean, you could have had Josh Morrissey, he would have taken 13, you could have had Shea Theodore, he was at 26. You know, you could have missed again and taken, like, uh, you know, Merkel Mueller or, uh, you know, somebody else. But, you know, see, there's no guarantee, but um, yeah, but uh, but I think earlier on is if you miss in the top ten, I think that's, especially back-to-back years, I mean. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that sets that, your franchise back. If Darcy hits on some of those picks, he probably still has a job. Yeah, I, I mean, and you know, we talk about Ristolainen like he's, like he's, you know, chopped liver here, and, he, and he's not. It's just, <laughs> you know, at number eight, I mean, you know, I hate doing the, you know, the the the, the history, you know, going back and saying, well, they should have taken this guy. Well, it's not how the scouting work when they are eighteen, but well, sure. you, know, you go you go back through that and you see like, you know, Max Domi goes at twelve. I mean, it could have been worse. They could have taken Sam Morin at eight. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's you know, yeah. This is every year. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Of course. But you know, Shea Theodore twenty six. That's kind of a bummer. Um, well, and also, I think I, mean, I think you, know, you always want to go forward higher up anyway because I think it's easier to scout forwards than it yeah. is for a defenseman. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it kind of stinks to see Bo Horvat go in the next pick. Right. That's you know that's that's one where you're just kind of like ah geez that would have been that could have been useful. That could have been, nice. <laughs> been useful. That, that would have been nice. But, I mean, like, the D that year, I mean, Seth Jones goes four. Probably could have gone – probably could have gone through. Imagine if Seth Jones got taken by Tampa. Come on. Imagine if they skipped Druin and take Seth Jones instead. Like, get lost. Yeah, they'd have – so they have traded him for <laughs> Sergachev, right? Yeah. So instead of Sergachev, they'd have Seth Jones. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, think about – like, that's – just goofy. Yeah, because like, he can't really argue. I mean, McKinnon, Barkov, sure, one, two, whatever. But yeah, I mean, Jones. Well, that's the crazy part. Barkov was the reach that year. Florida taking him second. Everybody's like, "What are they doing?" I don't know about that guy. So they got to take Druin. They got to take Jones. And they right. took Barkov. Well, that works. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, you had Darnell Nurse go right before Risto, and he hasn't been great. Right. So I mean, so, it's. It's yeah, definitely. I think, I, yeah. I think that's where Edmonton's infatuation comes in from because they're like, well, we like Nurse. Boy, we could have had Ristolainen. <laughs> it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Because he's way, been guys. so much better, yeah. But boy, it's, you know, you look at, like I'm looking at it on Hockey Reference right now, and, I, you know, plus minus, I don't give, I don't give a crap about this minus. Risto is a minus 130 for his career. And that's yeah. bonkers. That is absolutely nuts. Yeah. 
Indeed. That's how bad the Sabres have been. Of course, of course he's minus 130. He had to play 20 minutes a game from when he was like 19 on. <laughs> well, yeah, and they, they were not exactly good teams he was on either. So No. Um, all right, so this is, this is a fun question that comes in from Kevin. If you were to construct a seven-player blue line from every defenseman, we call them backs, Kevin, uh, to play on the Sabres since 2015, would it be above average? Without even looking at this or thinking too long about it, I'm going to probably say no. I I, I confess, I, I started cheating ahead of that before before I realized I shouldn't look. That's not cheating, that's but, just preparation. But, but I'm, I, I was also going to say no. Now, the thing that got me caught up on studying on this was if we start at the 14-15 season, it could skew the results, which sounds stupid because that was the tank year. Right. Like, 14-15, you should be like, no, you throw that out the door immediately. Well, 14-15, the Tyler Myers still played uh, for them. Nikita Zdorov was there. When did Erhoff leave? 13-14, uh, he got bought out after. Oh, that's right, they bought him out, yeah. Because that was, yeah, because they didn't want to get stuck with the cap penalties, which turned out to be a very smart move, because they would have gotten, they would have been in cap hell forever, because he had the concussion. Yeah, stuff happens. You know, granted, if he stays in Buffalo, maybe that doesn't happen. You know, whatever. But and he was pretty good for those years. I mean, he was he was pretty solid his first year, and then he was all right his next two, and then he kind of fell off a cliff by the time he went to Chicago and L.A. Yeah, but like his career changed for the worse in Pittsburgh uh, because I think that's where he got his he got a really nasty concussion. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Things changed from there, but um, but yeah, that fourteen fifteen team they had twelve defensemen play for him that 12? year. So Twelve? Twelve! Twelve guys played that year. There's a Sporkle quiz for you. Name the 12 defensemen that played on the tank team. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Alright, well... Some so, of them are still on the team, so that helps. Some of them are still... Alright, let's... You got the list in front of you? Yes, I do. Alright. So, I think George's was there, right? Yes. It's, okay, there's one. I, I already mentioned Myers. I gave that away, so I've I won't give you credit for that. That there's two. Well, I haven't guessed Myers yet, so Myers was Myers on the team. Yes, Tyler Myers. Great okay, play. there we go. All right, so we're two. Um, and you said there's somebody still on the team. Two. Two. Yes. Well, Risto, obviously. Yep. Uh, who else is on this freaking team? There's another defenseman on the team right now. It was then. Yes, he yeah. was. He came in as part of a trade. Trade. What one of the guys mentioned was also in that trade. Oh shit, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Zach Bogosian, the, the Tyler Myers. Oh, event. that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I was in the Evander Kane. Yeah, that year. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. excuse me. Three, three defensemen are still on the team. My bad. Right. I just saw another name, and I was like, oh right, him. Yeah. Okay. Um. So we got four. Yeah, my goodness. Uh, are any of them playing Rochester right now? Uh, no. Like, when did Gerby leave? Well, he was a forward. Oh, who uh, am I thinking? Oh, no, Sakara. Uh, Andre Sakara, he was traded before 2013. He was That was the uh, Jamie it. McBain trade. Oh, yeah, Jamie McBain. That was a good one. Um, he was not on the 14-15. 
damn it. I think the devil's fan in me is showing right now because I have no freaking clue. All right, well, let, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll kill the suspense here. Everybody listening to this is now going, oh, my God. <laughs> I, they're rattling off these names of, like, ghosts of Christmas past. Probably, yeah. Uh, so let, let, here's the list. Okay, so we got Bogosian, we got Myers, uh, we got Ristolainen. Uh, George's. And George's. Uh, Andre Benoit. Yeah, it's not a real person. <laughs> what about Craig Reve? Was he still there? No, he was. He's he was already retired. My um, goodness, how long ago was this? It seemed ages. It, it was, seems like just yeah. yesterday. Uh, the other guy that's still on the team, Jake McCabe. No. Jake McCabe played that season. Yes. My goodness. How many games did he play? Probably not many. I he was played say, two. He couldn't have played that many. Played two games because he signed out of Wisconsin. That year. All right. Uh, or he played in Rochester for most of that season. Uh, either way, he played. Uh, Andre Mazaros, remember him? Mm, vaguely, yeah. Uh, Mark Pesek, everybody's favorite. Ah, yeah, I should have got that one. Uh, Chad Ruedel. Okay. Uh, Tyson Strachan. Yeah, that's not a person either. <laughs> and Mike Weber. Ah, should have got that one too. There's That's the hot 12. All right. There's no way I was getting 12, but I should have done a little better. Everyone can shame me on Twitter now. That's fine. 12 <laughs> defense, yeah, and wow. 12, 12D. Okay, so... And, and Zadorov, Nikita Zadorov. Right, all right. So since then, I mean, so... For, okay, so if we're going to take answer to Kevin's question, seven well, defensemen... take that year into effect, like, you yeah. got to count Myers, and that's that seems unfair. Well, right? I'm, I'm probably... I'm, I'm taking Pezik, right? I'm taking... So, Darlene, Pilot, Pezik... Mm-hmm. There's three. Um, trying to think if they've given any way or someone's left like recently, the last year or two. Ooh, here's a here's an advanced stat favorite, Cody Franson. Was he on a team recently? He was fifteen sixty. He was there was fifteen sixty, sixteen seventeen. Okay, so yeah, Franzen. I mean, Risto's probably fine in like a six pairing role. Uh, Would you count Carlo Koliakovo? No. So who do we have here? We have Pilot, Dowling, Pezik. Franzen. Franzen. Oh, there were some bad blue lines on this team in recent <laughs> years, man. That's tough. I almost just want to play four and then just play like have, you know, Oof. I don't know. Well, what about you? Fill out, fill out the rest of the group. Uh, I, I'm just looking back here. Uh, they also had 12 defensemen play in 1617. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it, <laughs> somehow I blocked that out, and it, it includes a guy I watched play in college, Eric Bergdorfer, who played at RPI. Um, what, they had what, Eric, what was the name? Eric Bergdorfer. He's now in Belleville. All right, I was joking with the other ones, but I literally have never heard of that person. <laughs> Uh, Justin Falk, not the Carolina guy. Right, they, yeah, the other one. He doesn't uh, have Brady, a U in his last name. Correct. Uh, Brady Austin? Nope. That No, no. Uh, you don't remember him? Okay. <laughs> no, uh, I, don't, I don't remember the illustrious <laughs> career of Brady Austin. <laughs> about Dmitry Kulikov? Oh, that's right, the Pezik deal, right? Yeah. Correct. Literally. And he and he broke his rear end on an open open bench door in yeah. a preseason was it the Sabres bench door? Uh, I believe it was a game against Toronto. I think it was the Sabres. I think it was the Sabres door. That's not good. Ooh, would you take Taylor Fadoon? 
Um, probably not at the time. He's had a bit of a resurgent year with Dallas, but I think everything before that was meh. So that's fair. Yeah, you know what? If I gotta pick six, man. I mean, there's uh, like Zach Redman, there's Victor Antipin. Who can yeah, forget that? Yeah, we're that's that's just even last season. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, even the names we forget from a year ago. God, uh-huh. it's, man, six years feels like 60,000 years. Of course, uh, you can and, always keep Gooley, I suppose. Yeah, or maybe, maybe, do we include Brandon Montour? <laughs> He's on the roster, right? So I think we, yeah, we got a count. We played a game, right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right. So, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, so, like, Ristolainen, Pesic, Montour. Darlene Pilot. Dolly Pilot and... and pick a name out of a hat. Zadorov. Why not? Okay. There we go. I, so... I could live with that. Zadorov yeah. is a third pair. I could live with that. Sure. That works for me. But is that halfway decent? That's. I think that's the question. Is that even halfway decent? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think that's... That's definitely, like, average for the league. And then, you know, depending on... Yeah, I I would say that's probably what there's what 16 teams in each conference, so that's probably that's probably like top. It's definitely top eight in Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, enough other D units that are just absolutely nightmares. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you go back and pick seven or six or seven from 2015, then the Sabers are probably like I guess that's the real question. <laughs> Like are the same, well, they're probably still absolutely last, of course, but uh, yeah, you can only pick seven D, but only from the two seasons in which they use twelve. <laughs> got We have we have to break down questions like this. Okay, pick out these two seasons that were injury filled nightmares. Yeah, there we go. And now pick seven out of those two groups. <laughs> Alrighty, so there's there's our answer to Kevin's question. So that, that was a good question. We had fun with that one. Yeah, that's um, a good bar. That's a good bar question. That, that is. is. That's a barroom, not an argument, but just, that's like an episode of Cheers waiting to happen. Oh, yeah, the the rest of the night will be spent talking about, you know, the illustrious crew, whoever your friend from college was, Eric Beaverdorf or (laughs) whatever. Eric Beaverdorf, he he looked, funny story, he has a twin brother, um, and they... Joel, if you're going to start with funny story, it better be a funny story. Well, okay, it's it's not ha-ha funny, it's just (laughs) ironic funny. Okay. Um... But he had a twin brother, but they all look like Drew Stafford. So it's really it's really weird. It's like how Brandon Hickey looks like Matt Molson. Wait, is that the whole story? That, well, it's just that there's there's a bunch of guys that look like other people. Oh, Joe. Oh, Joe. <laughs> I didn't say it was ha-ha funny. That's true. You clarified. You're right. Um, alrighty. So speaking of ha-ha funny, um, friend, uh, friend of the podcast... Hannah Burry um, asked the question. She said, will the misery ever end? <laughs> she said, is there a light at the end of this tunnel, or is the light still rebuilding too? That's a great question. Or is the light just a train? Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, if we want to go dark, the light at the end of the tunnel is just an oncoming train. Well, it's, and yeah, it's the I, pain train. Well, like Sorry. the the whole thing of, uh, and and I agree with you. I mean, the whole thing of 
you know, we're going to take our time and build our roster. We're going to develop players. It's like, look at Montreal. Montreal was shit. And they finally got a good coach and kind of balanced their lineup a little bit, and now they're good. Uh, look at the Islanders. Yeah, I, I know their goaltending is out of this world this year, and that certainly helps. But I mean, they've certainly improved, uh, you know, in, in their 5-on-5 five -five play and a lot of the metrics since they brought Barry Trotz over. Um so, I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that the only way to be successful is like patience and, and developing and, and doing all this because I think it just it's an easy out, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of escape responsibility or escape standards, if you will. Like, like if one more person compares the Sabres point total to last year and calls it a success, I'm gonna like log off Twitter permanently, and. Some people might want that, and that's fine. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I think you cannot, you know, like, like if I, if I go out tonight after this podcast and get so drunk that I just like vomit all over myself at work tomorrow morning, and then the next day I say, hey, I didn't puke on myself today. Like nobody's going to congratulate me for beating that extremely low bar, right? <laughs> no, I well, I mean, you might find out who your your who the fellow degenerates at work are because right yeah I'll, I'll start getting calls and invites <laughs> to hang out yeah but, hey but, man uh, this guy can party all right <laughs> but but you know you know what I'm saying right like it's just like there's been nothing to really hang their hat on as far as the on ice product in almost two full seasons mm -hmm. and so you know Hannah asks you know, obviously somewhat kiddingly but also seriously because you know I mean this is all Sabres fans have known for a while. Um, and people that cover the team, I'm sure you'd like a change of, you know, <laughs> narrative or change of anything. But uh, sure would. Um, fun. I, I mean, what, what 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 do you think? I mean, what what's I, the state of the Sabers according to the jerk? To me, the uh, there is hope because you've got Eichel and you've got Darlene. That's that's the hope. You've got Reinhardt playing great. That to me is. These are huge things. You know, if they get Skinner extended, when they get Skinner extended, uh, that's, okay, there's four. There's four reasons to be happy. You know, Montour, we'll see how it works. Yeah. You know, he's, that's a half, that's a half reason to hope. Um, you know, you're, you know, we'll see what Casey looks like next year. You know, maybe, you know, that's, that's another half hope to have. Um, you know, but I, you know, when, Hey, you look around at the rest of the roster. It's like, yeah, if they're really good, like these are good role players to have, but they're just average. And they need they need the role players to do even more, and that's that's a hard spot to put everybody in. I think that's that's kind of where they're stuck right now. They need more, not elite. Like, I mean, yeah, everybody wants more elite players, but like you need guys that are just better than average. You need that higher than fiftieth percentile action, and they don't really have that right now from a lot of guys. And, that's that to me is that to me is your hope killer because because you, you're you're you know you can load up against the top line and neutralize them and then it's on then the pressure falls to everybody else to carry the weight and I think that's where they've been stunted this year is that they don't they don't have you know the other guys are either too young too inexperienced or just not good enough to do that and that's the hard part that's I think that's where that's where all the struggles have come in because. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, if they're not scoring any goals, then you know, the, you know, they get the goaltending, but they're not scoring. Or if they're scoring tons, they they not the defense and the goaltending's had bad times. And that's those are all the marks of a of a 
an average team, which I mean they've been that all year. But you know, I, I it's one of these things where you know, as great as great as the high of that winning streak was, it also serves to damn them because it, it changed the expectations overnight. And I think that's what got everybody. You know, excitement's great, except if you don't live up to it. And they, you know, they couldn't live up to it because they were just too middle of the road. And that, that to me is, you know, the 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 highs of the wins. That's your hope. You, you know, the the lows of the losses. That's all. I mean, that's everything that's in the past. But it's you know, every loss is a reminder that things aren't good. <laughs> like things aren't perfect yet. Things aren't you know close to being better. I think that's the that's the hard part to face up because you see all the wins and you say, hey, they can do this, but you know they don't, and they you know doing it regularly is the is the hard part. That's where the learning comes in, and you know it's all the stuff that everybody's been sold this line now for Christ since since Pominville was traded. <laughs> that you know, and it's yeah, you know, it's six years ago now that right. the suffering that, hasn't ended. Right, and people are sick of it. People, they're like, when are the wins gonna happen? And it, you know, can almost sound like, you know, a really upset kid. But honestly, like, you know, after six years of being told the same thing, it gets old. You know, and you know, everybody here likes to get a laugh at Edmonton about how bad things are. And it's kind of like, well, we're at the point where now it's glass houses. You know, and right. you, you got a box of rocks, and you're like, but I want to throw the rocks, and you can't throw the rocks because now, now you're in the same spot, and that sucks. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, so we're about to finish, you know, season two of Bottrell and Housley. And, you know, making the playoffs, like, as great as that would be, but, like, making the playoffs, just making it, isn't some grand achievement. I mean, half the teams in the conference make it, right? It's not like, you know, it's not like football where it's it's much harder to do it. Um, but, you know, if, if if you're in a position of, you know, power and leadership like, like Bottrell and Housley are, and... Like, if they don't get to the playoffs next year, like, if you can't get to the playoffs in three years, and you've had the the hardest parts already done, like, you've got Eichel, you've got Reinhardt, two number two picks, like, you got Darlene, number one pick, and a, quite literally a generational talent already, you, you know, the hard parts are out of the way. Like, this is just your skill about player evaluation, making savvy moves, and... If you're a good GM, you can do that. You can fill in around those pieces. Like, there are good GMs in the league that just, they never gotten those lottery picks, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I just think it's, you know, if you can't, if they don't make the playoffs next year, then I, I, I don't think they ever will, to be honest, with, with, with these guys in charge. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, how do you feel about you know? We're here talking about you know the future, and it's like, well, they have some good pieces, but I don't know. I mean, do you have faith that Bottrell's going to be like? I, I think this is this is such a big summer for the organization. Like, do you think he'll be able to make the moves that make them competitive on a nightly basis? You know, going into next season. I think that's I think that's the big test. You know, he's he's turned the roster over. Twice, in pretty big ways. I mean, everybody forgets before last season it was, I think it was ten or eleven new, you know, guys who were different in the opening night lineup. And I think this year it was nine. You know that those, I mean, that, and these aren't excuses by any stretch of the means. You bring in new people, you're bringing them in to win, and I think that's, you know, the, the wins haven't quite come through. I think they're, I think they're much better than they were last year. Yeah. But. 
I don't think that was a very high bar to jump over. That's I mean, that's the thing. And I think that's another source of frustration for a lot of people is that they're, they're like, well, of course they're better than they were last year. They were awful last year. It's like, okay, fair. You know, that, that that's fine. But, I mean, you know, the... The image and the idea that what, for what they want to do, you know, it's the you know, high play, you know, the high paced speed, everything. Like the team's not fast enough. You know, they don't play with a high enough pace. You know, they don't do a lot of the things that some of these teams that do do that style of play perform like. Like they just don't do that in in any sort of way. You know, I, I see those teams, and you know, they they forecheck other teams to death. You know, they force teams to make turnovers in their own zone. They, you know, they they get on top of everybody. And this team is a little not scared, but they play off a lot, especially if they get in their own zone. It's it's a lot of you know wheeling back and and you know how, you know however the de- the defensive zone coverage is, you know a lot of it is just playing off and and trying to get you know protect the net right. and help out the goal like containing and winning the puck back. Right, and that's how you, you know, and Housley's hit on this constantly. It's like, you know, we end up spending too much energy in our own end, and then we got to we get the puck back, and we got to make a change. And it's like, well, yeah, but you can fix that. <laughs> like you can, you can, you can be a little bit more pressure in your in your defensive zone. You can try, you know, the best way to get a turnover is is to force the other team to make a decision faster. And when you're when you get guys backing off the puck carrier and letting them look around and, and be able to make a play, well, they're going to do whatever they want and they're going to get shots. They're you know they're going to find room and you know then you know when you got guys trying to get down and protect the house, well, somebody's going to get lost in the shuffle. Sometimes you know you can't just everybody sit on the goalie and say, you know, we'll 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 get the puck out of here. Like, no, that's <laughs> not it's it's not how it's going to work. But you know whether it's they're trying to make up for. Um, deficiencies they see elsewhere, or that's the way they want to play it. Then you know, I think that's something that has to be looked at pretty hard. But you know, I, but I think you know, this is the kind of thing where, for how bad they played so far since December, and you know, if they limp into the end of the season, then you know, you got to start thinking like, well, maybe Phil's going to be on the hot seat to start next year, where he gets you know, twenty games, and if they, you know, if they you know, take a crap on the ice, then you know it's time to make a change there. But you know, but that the thing in these situations is that um, when you're the GM and you pick the coach, you fire the coach. It's on your head next. And right. I mean, that just you do that, and then it just shortens your timeline, of course. Yeah. Right. And you know that was, I think that was where the argument came in for Tim Murray when it came to Bilesma, where you know the. You know, the story was the ownership wanted him to fire Bilesma, and he's like, "No, it's my guy. If I fire him, then it's on me next." And they said, "All right, well then you're both out. See ya." <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the way you're going to be. Then you're both gone. You know, that's enough. I, I don't see Bottrell being the kind of guy to draw that, that kind of a hard line, because um, I think he, he understands how this job goes, and he saw it in Pittsburgh firsthand, so he he knows how it works. Exactly. But I mean. Sabres are in a spot where, you know, if you fire, if you fire Phil Housley at some point, you know, who are you bringing in? Because I don't, you know, maybe, you know, if you do it this summer, you know, maybe you're looking at Joel Quinville really hard and saying like, well, he's the guy. That's the guy that's going to win. 
but I mean, the Sabres were in that boat already when it came to trying to get Mike Babcock. So, like, do you want to go through that again when there's going to be, you know, four or five teams chasing after one coach? I don't yeah. really want you want to get into that. Yeah, and he might, he might. I mean, he's going to be able to pick any job he wants. He might be waiting out a job too. You know, like yeah. a super talented team that can't get over the hump or something, and um, you know, he might be just kind of waiting for that. Like, why would he want to come here and, and build something all the way up again, essentially? Right. Um, right. You know, he's 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 been fortunate, very fortunate to have these teams that were very well built. Every time he's had every coaching job he's had, you know, St. Louis and Colorado, everybody's like, oh, I didn't win with those teams. It's like, yeah, but those teams were great. Yeah, like, the Blues and Avs teams were really good, and Quindle, you know, either got ran out of town because they couldn't get past the Red Wings or or couldn't yeah, get past yeah. the Stars. Or yeah, in St. Louis's case, the Avs, but. Um, but, you know, you go to Chicago, and it's like, well, this worked out perfect. The timing was perfect. And I, I do actually feel some sympathy for, for Blues fans. I mean, they basically have always been like the bridesmaids in the Western Conference, right? I mean, they couldn't get past the – I mean, it was always Red Wings, Aps, or Stars for like 10 years. And then, you know, they're in the same division with the Blackhawks, and, you know, they run into the Kings, you know, that, that year they run to. It's like they just can never – they're like the Knicks during like the Jordan years, you know, like a really oh, good solid team, but just could never ever get out of their own way and beat somebody. Oh man, that is perfect. <laughs> that is the absolute perfect comparison. Because yeah, yeah, the Knicks were really good, and they the, the only difference is the Knicks at least got to a couple of finals. You yeah. know, they yeah. made it to a couple of finals. Blues haven't even got to do that. But I mean, it's not the it's not totally their fault. I mean, I look at like '96. They go to, I think it was seven games with Detroit, and Eiserman wins it in overtime with that, you know, that shot over John Casey's shoulder that was bonkers. But then even still, Detroit ran into Colorado that year, and um, that's what sparked the rivalry in 96. So, right. you know, what if it's the Blues in that position? You ma- Imagine Claude Lemieux, like, smoking, like, Chris Pronger from behind. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Can you, I, like, I still think Chris Pronger. What kind of hell would that brought down on everybody? Like, Chris Pronger just murdering the entire league for the next 15 years. Oh, and he would have, too. I think, he, like, no matter you know, what you did to him. What'd you say? Kind of did. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, like, instead it's Chris Draper who gets who gets rearranged, and everybody in Detroit lost their mind every time they played Colorado. So, you know, of course, Colorado, you know, Detroit needed that, that kick in the ass to, like, finally get over the hump, too. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure helps to be able to load up a team with no salary cap. That's for sure. Oh, of course, yeah. Alrighty, so let's um let's do like rapid fire. Just like one or two more here. Uh, let's see. There was one. Anything in here you really wanted to talk about? We got a couple of questions on like Nylander, a couple on the Sabers analytics staff. You know if I. I ever got to talk to anybody at the Sabres analytics staff? I would love to be able to answer those questions, but I don't even I don't even think they like let them out in the light of day to even nah, it was it was the first first thing I did when I, you know, joined the Athletic was I emailed them and like, "Hey, can we talk to uh, Jason Nightingale?" And they're like, "Yeah, no." It's like, "All right." <laughs> oh, thanks. I I think that's all they have. I think they just have the one person like officially. You know, I I don't know if they have anybody else that's just like not listed on the website, but I think he's the only person listed. So. Well, I, let's talk about Nylander here real quick because there's a couple of things here where people want to know if they're going to see him at some point yep. before the end of the season. And then there's a related one where it's like, 
wait, uh, why are fans in love with the idea of Nylander going to play any different in Buffalo than he has in three pro seasons in Rochester? That second one comes from Jeff Shope. Uh, the first one about uh, is are we going to see him this spring comes from Steve Hicks. Um, there's another Amherst question from Chad King about uh, which Amherst will have a positive impact on the Sabres lineup next season. Well, let's get into Nylander first. I think we will see him at some point. We've seen it happen the last couple of years. Um, I think they want to get a look at it. I mean, once you're in the position of saying, like, well, playoffs aren't happening, let's, let's give him a look. Whether it's more than three games, I mean, I don't know. I think the Amherst have a lot, have a real good thing going this year, and kind of monkeying around with that is probably not the best idea. They want those guys to win. They want them to win more than, you know, get past the first round. They have a murderous division, so it's hard. But I think with Nylander, like, I don't know. Like, I just kind of throw my hands up in the air when it comes to him because I don't know what to make of him because he's still pretty inconsistent. You know, you want to see him scoring a ton of goals. And it just hasn't happened yet. Like, it's mm-hmm. one game he looks great, another game he doesn't, you know, he doesn't even register a shot on goal. And that's hard. And they've, they've really gone to the mat this year to try to give him examples of, like, you know, you play him with Scott Wilson and Kyle Criscola, which doesn't sound like a great line, but, it, you know, it's, but I mean, it, it's fine. It, it's AHL. These guys, you know, Criscola played well down there. Wilson played well while he was there. And they want him to learn from those guys to be like, hey, listen, you got to work your bag off to get to the NHL, man. Like, you got to do this every day. And, you know, Wilson's a really good example of that because he did that in, in, with Wilkesbury, and then, you know, he gets to win a couple of cups in a row. So that's, that's pretty cool. Like, that's really cool to be able to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with Nylander, it's like something's got to, you know, something's got to give there. Like, either he's got to blow up and make it so that the Sabres could have to call him up. Or he's just going to keep kind of rolling along quietly like this, and soon he's going to be gone. Like, they'll move on from him and not even think twice about it. That's the hard part. But he's the classic, there's so much potential there, guy that you're willing to put up with a lot more and hope that he can get it. Like, it'll get through his head and say, like, listen, buddy, you got to do this to make it. And, you know, he's been more mature this year. He's been better. He's been a little bit more effective, but the numbers just ain't there, and that's the hard part. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, we're talking about moves made in the summers, this is taking kind of the temperature about what, uh, you know, what teams think about him. You know, what what value do they place on him? You know, what does Nylander and a first-round pick get you? You know, does it, you know, is he a throw in another trade you know, if, if the value's right. Because I know, like, you know, teams probably know, or at least, you know, if they're doing things right, they, they know before other teams around the league, like, okay, we know when our prospects are bust, right, relative to their draft position. So if they know, you know, maybe the time to do this was last year, but, uh, you know, if they, if they are not confident in him, you know, projecting to a meaningful contributor, then I think his value is never going to be higher, so I think you have to kind of explore that. Um, but, you know, if you're not going to do that, uh, you know, and, and again, this comes back to this idea of this this amorphous idea of development that no one can ever define or say what it looks like. Um, 
you know, development's not linear, right? So, so not everyone's gonna need like, okay, it, it's 80 games in the AHL and then you're ready to go, right? It's, yeah. I mean, some people don't need it. Some just never get an opportunity until later. So people, you know, attribute that. Oh, that made him good, but you know, he was just gonna play hockey there and didn't get an opportunity until later on. So, um. You know, I, I think he's probably this is probably who he is. You know, I mean, obviously he's got a couple years to go before he hits his prime, but uh, you know, what does that look like? You know, I mean, what's he? Jeez, let me pull up. What's he even scoring at? Like his rate of scoring right now? Do you have that in front of you? No, but I will in a second. But let yeah. me let me let me pitch a trade idea to you. Okay. Alex Nylander for Jesse Puljujarvi. Oh, I think you do that all day if you're Buffalo. You think so? Yeah, I mean, what do you have to lose? That's, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's fair. <laughs> I, that, that's fair. Um, I, I, I mean, if someone turns around and say, oh, you know, why, let, let's say Alex Neener goes and blows up in Edmonton, it's like, look, he was, you know, middling in the AHL for two years. You know, we, we got an offer we thought was fair, and we didn't think, you know, I mean, I, I don't think anyone could fault you for that. Because I mean, I, everybody's all big on um, change of scenery deals, and it's like, well, oh, all right, you know, like, but like that one doesn't it make sense? By the way, Nylander is scoring 0. .56 points per game, 25 points in 44 games, eight goals. Woof. It's not great. No, it's not. He had his other two AHL seasons. His first season, he had 28 points in 65 games. Yeah. Last year he had injuries and stuff, 27 points in 51 games. Yeah. He's been a little banged up. He's had a thing or two pop up here this year. But 25 and 44, I mean, it's on pace to be his best AHL season. Right. Boy, that, that's not saying a lot. No, he scored, what, roughly half of what uh, – well, not half. But uh, so if you're looking at – I'm looking at prospect stats right now. So if you look at his uh, – points per game there. I don't know if this is like lagging behind. It's just a little different. It's like .6 per game. Like, C.J. Smith is basically a 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olofsson's at .9. Lawrence Pilot's at like 1.3. <laughs> oh, man. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's still, what, he's 20 and a half according to this. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I think... You know, I, I think you bring him up and see what he can do like the rest of this season. And I mean, because that's the other thing too is like if we're talking about development, okay, you got to find out if they can play at the NHL level. And mm-hmm. they've got what roughly 20 games left. Yeah. So, like, you're not making the playoffs. Like, you need to. I mean, you can't ship out veterans at this point because trade deadline. I mean, you could, but they just can't play. You know, the rest of the season for another team. But, um, or at least in the playoffs. But. Uh, you know, I think it's time. You know, you, okay. You know what Sabak is, right? I think Tage could benefit from playing in the AHL for a little while. I mean, he hasn't been great up here. I'm I'm anxious to see him in the AHL playoffs. I'm glad they I'm glad they put him, uh, they paper moved him so that he can play a Roch. Yeah. Uh, in the playoffs, I, I I I hope he's like their secret weapon, and just, you know, tease off on everybody based on having a full year of NHL experience. 
and like he just goes absolutely ape and you know helps the Amerks win a title maybe. Yeah. But I mean, they could sure use the help. It would take some pressure off of Olafson and Smith. Yeah, I th- I think the one of the biggest concerns with Nylander is that he he gets less than two shots a game. Yeah. He just can't. That's, yeah. That's really bad. They, they said uh, when I was when I was there uh, about a month or so ago that he, he said yeah the coaches want me to shoot a lot more and to trust my shot and I and I was like I was like I'm glad you said it because I was going to ask you like why the hell don't you shoot the puck <laughs> because it's and here's a here's a horrifying comparison uh, it was a lot like watching Billy Leno ooh, in ooh. Buffalo his last year because that dude never shot the puck. Right. He would he would dangle. He would pass every opportunity he had to pass. He would pass, mm-hmm. and he wondered why he was getting scratched in games. And it was just like he's like, I don't know, coach, won't tell me. And it's like, I don't know, take a shot once, maybe <laughs> twice. How about that? There's crazy crazy idea here, Billy. Shoot the puck. Yeah, man. Be... Like, jeez, that's crazy that he just he just can't get shots off. I mean, C.J. Smith is at three point one. This is per game. Olsen's at 2.8. So, I mean, like a full shot a game more. Yeah. I mean, Scott Wilson was at 2.8. You know, so he, he's shooting. His volume per game is down around, what, Danny O'Regan. Um, Zach Redmond's at 3.6. And he's got 20-something goals. I know. Man. He's crazy. <laughs> By the way, I had to look up Billy Leno. His last season, 58 games. How yeah. many shots? Take a guess. 58 games with the Sabres? Yes. And you're saying he's never shoot? He never shot? Never shot. Uh, I don't know, 100? Was that a little over one per game? How about 38? Come on, that's not right. It, 38? Hockey reference says 38 shots. Where does season. hockey reference get their data from? <laughs> um, 38 I tr- shots? That's I tr- crazy. I trust that very much. <laughs> That's wild. Thirty-eight less, shots. Less than a shot a game, which that's, is that's horrible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's like that's like entering Scott Gomez territory. <laughs> he had fifteen assists, no goals that year. Go figure. Fifteen assists, no goals. <laughs> that's an interesting stat. Who's had the most assists without a goal? There was a guy on the Devils, Vladimir Zarkov, who played like forty games. This is going back a ways. I think he had he played like 41 games. He had great stats, but he just zero goals. I think he had like 10 or 15 assists or something like that. I don't know. But like the but, an, like the anti Brandon Peary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Here's the here's the craziest stat though. Leno's Buffalo career was three seasons, 137 games, 127 shots. Wow. He was less than a shot a game his entire career. In Buffalo. That's wild. What? I, how? What was it like how? before that? Was that just who he was, or was it just? Uh, let's see. Two years in Detroit, uh, seventy-one shots, fifty-five games. Two years in Philly, ninety-four games, one hundred forty shots. All right, so it was definitely a product of the team for sure. Yeah, I yeah, the, those Sabres teams were not very good, and he was hurt for. He only played eight games in in the lockout shortened season. Yeah, and. 12 thir- or 2013. So like, all right, fine. But he still had 11 shots in eight games, man. Come on, it's better than your other two seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's but like, 
the fact that we that I that even bringing up like Billy Lano to be like, hey, Alex Nylander shoots about as much as Billy Lano does is not great. Mm-mm. That is not great in any way. Yeah, so I, I don't know what you can do with Nylander at this point. I mean, he's shown no promise of, you know, if your plan is development, you know, what does that say about your plan? I mean, his results, I mean, has he improved? Not really. Exactly. So, you know. Let's put it this way. Last season, 51 games, 83 shots for Nylander. What's he at so far? 76, 77. In how many games? hit the back button on the browser. <laughs> Making you do the work. Uh, it's uh, 45 games, 77 shots. Alright, so it's pretty similar. And let's, just for completion's yeah. sake, his first his first season a little faster. 65 games, 106 shots. That was his first year? Mm-hmm. This is his third season in NHL? Yeah, and it's the first year his contract will actually count. Wow. Okay. Beauty of the beauty of playing in the AHL under 20 years old. Yeah, that is good. It's a nice little loophole. It's nice that they were able to count him as a Swedish transfer and not because he was because uh, he came over. He was loaned from Sweden to Mississauga. Okay. So when he was drafted, he counted as an international player. So he got to go right to the AHL. Oh, that's nice. Yep. So they get to slide his contract. For two years, mm-hmm. so he turned he turned twenty this year. So this is the first year his contract actually counts down. So they technically he's under contract for two more seasons after this, which could be valuable in a trade, or you're hanging it on somebody else to say like, hey, you're stuck with him. Sorry. Like, but I, I think he's the kind of player like, you know, maybe internally you're like, all right, he hasn't really progressed in the HL. But he does have a tremendous amount of professional experience for someone his age. Mm-hmm. And so do we bring him up to Rochester or bring him up to Buffalo, you know, put him up, put him on the line with Skinner and Eichel and see if you can boost up his numbers and then see if maybe someone comes calling, right? Because yeah. I think that's a way to kind of pump up value for a player and be like, look, he just needed to play with good players. You know, but we're entertaining offers. You know, lots of different decisions to make, and maybe that, you know, maybe that convinces somebody out there who isn't as astute as to his situation or, or his skills as a player. And you know, maybe that's a way you can kind of, you know, pull one over on somebody. Um, or, you know, if he does that consistently and his numbers show pretty well uh, and they're and they're sustainable, well, then maybe that's really all he needed, and maybe he's maybe he's a player that is never going to be exceptional on their own. Like, you know, Connor Sheary isn't exceptional on his own, right? But he's someone you put with some other skilled players, and he'll get you points. And, you know, I think every team needs, like, one or two or three of those guys that, you know, can provide a little bit of the flash, a little bit of the skill in those high-quality plays, but they're not going to do a lot of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they're overall, like... You can have two or three players that their overall impact is relatively similar, but they get there in very different ways. And I think we've talked about this before. And maybe mm-hmm. Nylander is just that, you know, maybe he's a guy that can do that. But I don't know. I mean, he, he's just trending towards uh, like a, you know, 
a bottom six, you know, type of role with, and that's not what you want out of a, another top ten pick. You know, he's going to be like mm-hmm. another Gergensen's or something. But but here's here's the thing. It, a couple of years ago, when he when he got brought up late in the season, yeah, is um, you know right after he was drafted, he got brought up for like a game or two, and they brought him up, and then they scratched, I believe they scratched Matt Molson to play him. Mm-hmm. So you brought up a kid who was, who by all, by every account had a terrible first season in the AHL. I mean, he's you know twenty twenty whatever points he was. Team low, minus 24. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, um, but they bring him up, and then they scratch a veteran, a well-respected veteran, in Molson, and it soured the room completely. And, you know, last year he gets, you know, he gets a few games, and I don't think that was that big of a deal. Um, but I think the what gets caught up here is that you know, is it earned if he gets called up? You know, is it is it something where, you know, if you bring him up over a Smith or an Olafson or somebody like that, you say, well, you know, we're bringing him up. We got to get a look. You know, what, what, you know, how clear are you making the message, making it known to the, uh, to the other players? Like, here's what we're trying to do. Or do you just say, hey, yeah, we're just doing this. Sorry, guys, that you've been busting your tail all season down here for a call up, but we gotta we gotta get a look at this kid. And if he goes up and he blows up, and you say, oh well, good, he he can stay here. And it's like, well, what did he sandbag the whole time here? Like what? Like it leads to a lot of other issues. And I think that's what the organization now is moving past. You know, whereas you know Tim Murray makes that move, and Tim Murray doesn't give a, give give a shit what anybody thinks. He's just like, whatever, I'm doing it. It's fine. And you know, I think. I think they're a little bit. I think they're a lot more cognizant of these kinds of things coming up. I mean, everything that everybody talked about in Rochester was about how how good everything is there with the you know the vets taking charge, the young guys you know get you know falling right in line with everybody. Not in a negative like you know listen to all the old guys sense, but just that it's a great room to be in because everybody's everybody's working together, and that's the kind of thing where I wonder. You know his numbers still aren't great, and if he gets to call over some other guys, does everybody go like, "Hey, what the heck? Like, you know, what do we got to do here?" Well, so now when you said when they brought up, uh, like, so they brought him up, scratched Molson, and you're saying like in the Sabers room it didn't go over well. Yeah, like, all right, uh, so because Molson had everybody's respect. Sure, but and. Yeah, like everybody was just like, "This is crap." That guy, that kid hasn't. Des- the kid didn't deserve it. Well, well, what's he doing up here? I guess the only thing I'll say about that is when you know, because I I think that there's a disproportionate amount of time spent on things like the room relative to its actual importance. I mean, everybody works with a group of people. You don't always get along with them, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I think if the product. If the results, if those are shit, like, I really don't care what anybody in the room thinks about moves because the job's not getting done. And, you know, that might be, you know, I don't know, like, not what a lot of people are, you know, led to believe about the room. But, you know, I think things like room culture, you know, I think that's what losing organizations spend a lot of time talking about because they're trying to... They can't win the on the ice. They can't win what matters. So they're trying to win some other kind of 
you know, well, we have a good culture. It's like, well, that's great, you know. <laughs> that's great. You, you you go you go in the corner and have your nice culture, and we're going over here and try to build a good hockey team for a change. You know, I just, I don't know. So, you know, if Matt Molson's going to get angry about that, like, I mean, who's Matt Molson to get angry about that? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to do with stuff like that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. No, I... I... I see where you're. I see where you're coming from on that, and it's just that it's such a weird. It's a, it's a different dynamic, and it's it's harder to get around when, you know. And granted, you know, as we found out when Murray and Bilesma got tossed out, uh, that the culture wasn't very good at all, and you know they've been working on trying to get the culture better, and that's you know I know that's a very sore point. Uh, right now, considering the season of Ryan O'Reilly's having, but uh, and even Evander Kane at that point, like that's these are all things where everybody's just kind of like, well, is it worth the sacrifice uh, to get rid of the more talented player? And you know, I think in this case, it's, it's something where it's just like, I don't know, like it, it, there's a lot that makes it very uneasy when it comes, you know, when it comes to that because it is, a, you know, it's a, it's a dynamic that even you know somebody like me who's in the room. We're not really privy to a lot of what goes on there. You can't tell who gets along and who doesn't in the room, sure. because everybody's got a, you know, everybody's just kind of chatting away, anyways. And you can't can't get a feel for that unless something blows up at a practice, or you know, if something blows up in the room, which that stuff happens so rarely. Justin Falk and Evander Kane aside, of course. <laughs> um, but that's but it's it's a th- I, to me it's a thing you do have to have concern about. But like, winning fixes all of that. Winning more games makes the room a lot happier. Well, losing games makes everybody miserable. That's, I think that's, you know, if if a team has a bad culture, they've been a loser for a few years in a row. Well, geez, I bet I know why it's a bad culture. Yeah, I I agree 100% with that. Like winning, winning changes everything, and yeah. So. You can you can put up with some some guy being a, a jackass in the room or somebody's weird you know idiosyncrasies a lot easier if you know you're celebrating every you know after every game and things are going easy and all the questions coming at them are a lot lighter than boy we're doing this again aren't we boy this really stinks huh you know like you can you can put up with a lot more of those annoying things from teammates. If everything else is good, if everything else is bad, everything is magnified yep. a thousand times over when you know, when it's when it's bad. Like everything, any little annoyance becomes a giant grating, like nails on a chalkboard thing. I agree. All right, Joe, let's let's wrap this up. Uh, what are you working on? What do you want to plug? Uh, you know the usual shit. Boy, we're uh, we got we got some stuff to figure out here with <laughs> with how things are gonna go. It could be, yeah. We'll we'll see if it's going to be like a funeral after this weekend uh, with with Pittsburgh and Toronto coming up and Edmonton coming in next week. My God, the hot take party that that's going to be. Mm. We're going to avoid the hot take party because we got some actual stuff we're going to have to break down. But uh, but John and I are working on working on plenty of stuff here to try to figure out another disappointing non-playoff likely non-playoff season unless they win 19 in a row then. Qu- quick question could you 
simply copy and paste articles you've written from years past? And do you think like it would make any difference? <laughs> like, um, boy, like, you know what? I'll 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 give you some inside stuff. The story I wrote after the Philly game last night, I was really tempted to just copy quotes that John had gave given me from the Toronto game and be like. Guess which game this was about. <laughs> Go ahead, just try to try and figure out which one this was about, and tell me if you can figure it out. I, th- I think that would be an interesting article. Like take quotes from, you know, various games, and just, you know, guess guess which uh, game this was from, and then you know, I think people would engage with that. I th- it's different, you know. I mean, you're gonna, you know, down the stretch here if games keep like this, you know. Yeah. It- I, given the number of players that I know that are athletic subscribers, uh, probably wouldn't be received very well in the room. I'll I'll say that much. Oh well, that's true. <laughs> gotta keep gotta. Yeah, I mean, not that you want to write to keep people happy, but man, I you, you hate to be you hate to be a snark artist and then get just get it thrown directly right back in your face. Well, well I mean, you don't have to be a snark artist about it, but just eh, I don't know. Well. You have more discretion I, and, and I'm not, wisdom I'm not than a I guy, do. So. Yeah. I was say, I'm not a guy looking for a, looking to get pulled aside by a player to be like, "Hey, man, what the <laughs> hell? Like, what? Like, what the hell? Don't you think it's hard here?" And I was like, "Yeah, buddy, I know. Like, I know. I'm in here with you guys. Just, I see just, it. No, just push him back and be like, "I've been here longer than you and dealt with this longer." <laughs> like, buddy, this might be year two for you, but this is year six for me. Yeah, so, there you like, go. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 I don't know how funny that would be, uh, but I think probably, you know. All right, all right. Well, that, fine. We'll we'll scratch that idea. But <laughs> um, but yeah, but we'll be we'll be digging in on. There's plenty to dig in on here. What well, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna look at a pretty hard look at Montour, see how he gets worked further into the lineup here, um, because this is like a like you have to look ahead. Like you have you. Sure. You just like sit here and just you know sit in the puddle of mud and say like, well, you know, what was everybody? What was everything? Like, that's 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 bringing misery on yourself. We got like there's enough there's enough to break down with with some of these guys. And honestly, looking at how some of these young guys handle getting this sort of initiation into saber misery, like that's it's a good way to look at it because they can either sulk and say. Oh yeah, this 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 bites. I hate it. Or they can say like, no, f this. We're going for it. Like let's, if we're gonna go down, let's go. Let's go down. You know, blowing the doors off. Right. Yeah. I hope I hope Montour goes on like a PDO bender to end the year and is just like, you know, sniping goals from 50 feet out or something like that. That'll just at least keep people happy for a little while. So. Yeah. I, give give the people something to look for. Like see, let's see Thompson blow. Let's see Middlestat blow up. Let's. Let's see all these young guys just say like whatever old guys we got this we're gonna we're yeah. gonna do what we can do sure all right well let's we'll, we'll everyone will keep a lookout for that so um alrighty Joe well hey it's been fun we'll uh, we'll try to do like one more you know as the season wind winds down and you know hopefully it's not like a eulogy and hopefully there's something to you know some positive things to, to talk about at that point. Yeah, let's yeah, let's hope it's not a Viking funeral. Let's, let's, <laughs> I don't I don't think we need to send another burning boat into the river. No, that would be nice. That would be nice. Alrighty, man. Good talking to you as always. You got it, Ryan. Good times as always. <laughs>